Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 27th of December, 2021, the 23rd of Tevet, 5782. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Monday morning, coming to you from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people and the state of Israel. I am just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem. Don't forget, you can always get in touch with me during the week, Josh at the land of Israel.com. On Facebook, Joshua Haston or Josh Haston Israel Journalism. That's my Facebook page on Twitter, at Josh Haston, and on Instagram as well. Okay, so news here in Israel. I thought that this was worthy of the front page of not only the Jerusalem Post, but all the major media outlets in Israel. This comes from from uh, Friday's paper. I think it was on page four. But I think this is a key article when discussing the situation between Israel, the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, and everything going on here, uh, the latest wave of terror, if you want to call it that, and just the entire mindset of the residents living under the control of the Palestinian Authority, the corrupt control of the Palestinian Authority and Hamas in Gaza. Khaled Abu Tuame reports, again from Friday's paper in the Jerusalem Post, most Palestinians, these are his words, in the Gaza Strip hold the Palestinian Authority and Hamas responsible for the continued crisis in the Hamas-ruled coastal enclave. According to a public opinion, a po- public opinion poll published on Thursday by the Palestinian Atlas Center for Studies and Research, most of the Arabs who are living under the control of Hamas believe that it is Hamas's fault, it's the Palestinian Authority's fault, that they are living in the situation they are living in. According to the results, 45% of respondents believe that the PA is responsible for the various crises in the Gaza Strip, with 25% saying they hold Hamas responsible. Only 15% blame Israel. Now, if you add up those numbers, you're talking about 70% of the Arabs in Gaza believe that Hamas and the Palestinian Authority are to, are to uh, be blamed for their current situation, for their current reality. In other words, any restrictions put on Gaza, according to the people that live there, the finger should be pointed not at Israel. Israel only came in in third place, but should be pointed at Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. And I think this is front-page worthy headlines. I think people all over the world need to understand that the residents who live there themselves under the brutal rule of Hamas, don't blame Israel. The majority do not blame Israel for their current situation. However, of course, the PA, Hamas, and many international parties often hold Israel solely responsible for the economic and humanitarian crisis, what they call an economic and humanitarian crisis in Gaza because of the blockade imposed there. Israel is always blamed for the situation in Gaza. Even though at times you see all these images of new water parks opening and malls opening and everything else, nevertheless, those who are suffering, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, 
don't blame Israel. They blame the PA and they blame Hamas. Yet the enlightened, the enlightened West always blames Israel, whether it's the Europeans or the current State Department or the UN, whomever it is, they always blame Israel. The radical Israeli organizations also blame Israel. But the Arabs themselves blame the PA and Hamas. So maybe, maybe Israel should stop bolstering them. Maybe the world community should stop bolstering them and encourage the people in Gaza to demand change. Maybe they are tired of the PA and tired of Hamas lining their coffers, embezzling money, using money to build weapons instead of schools and hospitals, building tunnels and rockets and rocket launchers instead of helping their own people. Maybe the people in Gaza had enough of this, and maybe we should side with those people instead of enabling Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. But Israel won't create that change at this point. I mean, there needs to be a switch here, whether it's those who want a change in Gaza or whether it's on a larger scale, those Iranians who've had enough of their leadership. These are the people that we should be supporting, not Hamas. We should not be uh, emboldening Hamas or the PA, yet that is what we're doing. All right, so that's from the Jerusalem Post, and I think that, that should have been the top story. The fact that they hold their own leader, leaders responsible for the situation in areas under their control. And here is proof, that was the Jerusalem Post, here's Times of Israel, proof that we are headed in the wrong in the wrong direction here. According to TOI, Israel is planning to ease a series of restrictions currently in place on Gaza, aiming to alleviate some of the territory's economic woes and prompt the population to pressure Hamas to keep the calm, according to a report Sunday morning. Among the moves allegedly being weighed include increasing the number of work permits for Gazans in Israel and allowing some dual-use materials to enter. Dual-use, meaning building materials, which Hamas, of course, will use to make rockets. They want this to be coordinated with the UN um, to ensure, of course, we can trust the UN, that they can only be used for civilian purposes rather than terror. The UN, of course, doing a great job in Lebanon uh, I thought that they were supposed to prevent uh, Hezbollah from arming, from approaching the border, from building these terror tunnels. They're doing an excellent, top-notch job there. Yeah, right. This, by the way, the TOI is quoting Haaretz, citing unnamed security sources. So the plan is to um, ease restrictions and then encourage the population. Okay, restrictions are eased, so Hamas, you keep quiet. Admittingly here, the report says the plan would go against Israel's frequent assertions that Gaza's reconstruction would be conditioned on a deal that would see Hamas release two Israeli civilians and the bodies of two IDF soldiers believed to be, they believe to be, uh, it is believed to be holding, likely in exchange for uh, Arab prisoners. So instead of ramping up the pressure on Hamas to stop the terror, according to this report, Israel is going to ease restrictions without getting back our civilians and the bodies of our soldiers. So we just heard 
A minute ago, the population blames Hamas for their situation, and now you're going to ease restrictions and basically let Hamas off the hook. This is a protection racket. You pay off Hamas, encourage their people to have Hamas stay quiet. Okay, this is a mafia protection racket, which Israel's going along with. People are the people there are blaming Hamas for the situation, and now Hamas gets to be the good guy here with easing of restrictions. They are enabled instead of causing the people to hate Hamas more. You want the people not to be happy with Hamas and their reality there. They're already blaming Hamas, but why let them off the hook? And we're not getting anything in return as well. So I think there is a a nearsighted, I don't know what, to describe this policy here, a position of weakness instead of strength, just arbitrarily easing restrictions and then giving Hamas essentially the credit or having the people work with Hamas to keep them quiet. This is just a bonkers plan in my opinion. We should be doing the exact opposite with Hamas. We should be doing the exact opposite when it comes to Iran. And when I talk about Iran, I'm talking about the world community, not just Israel, because the world, of course, obsessed with trying to beg Iran to come to the negotiating table and make concessions instead of being tough on them, like the previous administration in Washington was tough on Iran. They want to do the exact opposite, and now it looks like Israel's doing the same with Hamas paying them off in order to keep the quiet, getting nothing in return, not helping the people of Gaza because we know Hamas is just going to use these funds and siphon them off for their terror arsenal. So this is a bad idea. If this plan is accurate, reported by Haaretz there, cited by Times of Israel, it is a bad idea. And that's why this whole situation, I think, is, is the most important this week with the many other things going on, of course, as, all, as always, the people have had enough of Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. Let's side with the people and get rid of this leadership which wants to destroy the state of Israel. Let's not let them get away with it. Let's be tough with them. This is the Middle East. This isn't the uh, U.S.-Canada border here. Let's be tough with Hamas and not give them a hall pass. So that's my opinion on that issue. As all this is going on, it's now, I guess we'll call it the weekly United Nations segment on the show. We have our weekly anti-Semitism report and our weekly section where we talk about good things happening, but this looks like is a weekly occurrence. The United Nations, okay, we'll call it our UN report. The UN General Assembly has voted to fund an unprecedented open-ended war crimes probe against Israel with the backing of 125 countries. The Commission of Inquiry has initially been approved, was initially approved in May by the 47-member UN Human Rights Council after the Gaza War, Guardian of the Walls. Okay. So it was initially approved. Now it looks like it's going to happen. This open-ended war crimes probe against Israel. No such open-ended investigation has ever been leveled against any other UN member, this by the Jerusalem Post. After the vote, Israeli ambassador to the UN Gilad Erdan said that the UNGA descended to a new low when it approved a budget for this despicable and biased commission. 
There you have it. Israel, in the midst of an open-ended war crimes probe, not Iran, not Hamas, not anyone else in the world, just Israel. And that is the ridiculousness this week at the UN and the last several weeks we've been talking about insane resolutions passed by the UN, singling out Israel unfairly, an obsession with the state of Israel. Time and time again, let's see what they do in the next uh, seven days. But it is absolutely preposterous. It's a joke. But 125 countries are going along with it. Just because the majority goes along with it does not make it just, does not make it right. The UN is an absolute, complete joke. But, um, but it's real. These resolutions are real, and they're being approved. And Israel now, once again, under the microscope... In this case, um, human, uh, UN Human Rights Council, Council, which Israel is not even a part of, which I believe the U.S. rejoined thanks to uh, the Biden administration. But, uh, but let's see where this goes. Uh, terrorism. Terrorism. Last week we focused on um, local terrorism here. And this wave, which we're currently in the midst of, regardless of what they say or what it's officially labeled, the Jewish press reports an Arab terrorist fired dozens of bullets at at an IDF post near the city of Shechem on Saturday night. No Israeli soldiers harmed. The IDF stated the attack was carried out from a car traveling on the road near Shechem. The car fled probably into the city of Shechem. Dozens of bullet shells were found in the area. There is nearly, if not every night, reports of gunshots in Judea and Samaria, um, attempts by terrorists to target soldiers, and we know of the murderous attacks uh, to have taken place in the last several weeks. They're saying that this latest incident, the firing near Shechem, is the 11th terror attack in six weeks. That is um, a disputable figure because it does not include all of the rock and firebomb attacks which take place on a daily basis. On Wednesday night last week, an Arab terrorist who carried out a drive-by shooting against Israeli soldiers operating near the community of Psagot in the Benjamin area was shot and killed, and there have been riots throughout Arab villages in the area, terrorists attacking idea forces with Molotov cocktails and rocks, IDF using crowd control means to disperse them. This is happening nightly, folks. That is what's going on here. And please, God, let us all be safe in light of all of these different uh, means of terror being carried out by the Arabs living under the Palestinian Authority. Uh, Iran continues to threaten the state of Israel. The Jerusalem Post reported a Twitter account run by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps on Friday threatened to blow up the city of Dimona in the Negev where a nuclear facility is located. The IRGC uh, account with its 12,000 followers, 12,100 followers, posted a video showing multiple explosions in a desert saying, then on the day we will deal you the fiercest blow, all these threats against Israel, quotes from the Quran, hashtag Dimona. But, of course, the U.S. should still negotiate with Iran, either directly or indirectly, right? 
as the world's largest sponsor of terror, the Iranians threatening the state of Israel openly. That makes a lot of sense. No, it does not. This is a weak policy. Every show over the last month, at least, we've been talking about this. Nothing changes as they are headed for more indirect talks or direct talks or whatever it is. They are the U.S. and the world are showing weakness against Iran. A terrible mistake. Complete reverse in policy from the last U.S. administration. Um, and, and it's just a disaster. Disaster brewing. Let's see how Israel deals with it. Some positive here. JNS reports that yesterday, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett announced the approval of a one billion shekel, or roughly three hundred and seventeen million dollar program to develop the Golan Heights. They actually held the weekly cabinet session in the Golan. The goal is to double the Golan's population. Right now, only around 50,000 Israelis live there. New neighborhoods planned, infrastructure, regional development, commerce, industry, all different types of plans to, uh, to strengthen the Golan, um, which, of course, is welcomed. It's only a matter of time. Maybe it's already happened. I don't even know. I haven't checked this morning before this plan is condemned by the world because somehow they feel that turning this strategic mountain range over to Syria will bring peace in the Middle East. Yeah, right. Um, these are the Israel haters, those who are obsessed with Israel. We have to turn over the Golan to Syria. We're going to turn it over to the butcher of Damascus. That's the plan. That's going to bring peace with a civil war over there with more than half a million dead. That's a great strategy. Turn over the Golan to Syria. So that they can just, once again, shoot at those around the Lake of Galilee, the Kinneret, launch some mortars from there right down into the Galilee, into Israel. That's just ridiculous. But I, I bet you, if I check now on Twitter, condemnations left and right, that Israel is strengthening the Golan instead of turning it over to the murderers in Syria. Coronavirus, covid COVID-19, a somewhat, I guess, positive report from the Jerusalem Post. Israel's skies could reopen. Right now, by the way, Israel is closed um, to tourists. And if you're an Israeli who traveled abroad and you're in a red country, it's a big to-do to get back into the country. Very limited travel into the state of Israel and completely shut out for tourists. Um, there are exceptions for Certain uh, in certain situations, uh, those who have children in Israel are giving birth, all, all kinds of exceptions. But overall, the skies are closed. However, Israel's skies could reopen as soon as mid-January. The committee of experts advising the health ministry on the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic has said the committee met last week and re reviewed a number of key restrictions, including including those in Ben Gurion Airport. Um, the, air, the airport, as I mentioned, has been shuttered to foreigners since the first Omicron case was discovered in Israel last month. In addition, more than 50 countries are labeled red, meaning that Israelis cannot visit them without special permission. However, according to one of the experts here, he said we are rapidly approaching the point where this airport policy will no longer be beneficial due to the rapid increase in the local spread of the strain. The Omicron strain. Preparations should, should, should be made for its abolition, they said. In other words, if it's already spreading here locally, 
then it, according to this, it doesn't matter. This is the logic. It doesn't matter if the airport is open or not. And why not allow tourism back into Israel? That is the thinking here. It's already here. It's already spreading in this country. And we should open the skies to tourists. And of course, the tour guides and everyone involved in the travel industry, industry the most hurt um, in terms of financially over the last uh, two plus years. So this report suggests we're not, we're not benefiting from keeping the airport closed. The Omicron is here. We have to live with it. We have to deal with it. And uh, we need to open the airport. That is the advice, according to this, uh, according to this report, the advice of this panel who makes recommendations to the health ministry. So let's see what happens there. Here is now our weekly anti-Semitism report. A Jewish man was violently attacked by a man carrying a knife in West Hempstead, North London, earlier in the month. According to antisemitism.org via the J Post, according to a police report, um, someone, a man, saw this alleged attacker desecrating a menorah on West Hampton Square, pulling it down, stamping on it, and shouting anti-Semitic abuse. The attacker approached his uh, victim and said, You look Jewish. The victim answered no, that he wasn't, to which the man replied, good, I want to find a, a Jew to kill. And then later on, I guess it was discovered, he found out that this man was in fact Jewish and started to beat him up and threatened he was going to kill him. Eventually, he, uh, uh, the Jew in this case got away after the attacker threatened his life. I want to kill my first Jew, he said punching the victim several times in the head, shouting Arabic phrases, saying, I'm, going, I'm not going away until you are dead. The victim ran away. And police apparently took their time to respond to the incident. And the, um, the perpetrator is still, the attacker is still at large. So there you have it in uh, West, Hampst West Hampstead in Northern London. Uh, an Arab, it seems, wanting to find a Jew to murder, destroying a menorah. This must have happened over Hanukkah. Um, and he is still on the loose as police took their time to come to the scene. So that's our weekly anti-Semitism report. We could have picked many other stories from different incidents all over the world, but this is the one we chose. And finishing off with some positive news, and I actually wrote about this for JNS News. Um... I rarely talk about articles that I write, but I think it's important to discuss uh, this source of pride for the state of Israel. 19-year-old Haley Cops, a religiously observant athlete from West Orange, New Jersey, she and her partner will be competing. They qualified to compete at the Olympics, the Winter Olympics coming up in the pairs ice skating competition. Cops, again, 19 years old who has Israeli citizenship. She and her partner, Evgeny Krasnopolsky, recently qualified for the Paris ice skating competition in a pre-Olympic trial. They defied all the odds when they finished in the top three during the qualifier, punching their ticket to China as they had only been training together as skating partners for three months. Again, I'm not a, an expert on pairs figure skating, but I spoke to the head of the Israeli Ice Skating Association who said that normally partners train for years, for years, 
and many of them don't even qualify for the Olympics. Only 19 pairs qualified from all over the world. But the Israeli pair of cops and Krasnopolsky made it after training together only for three months. And I'm happy to share with you, uh, if you send me an email, I can share you the link to the entire article, or you can find it on JNS.org. Um, and again, this is a religious girl who walks to the ice skating rink, finds a hotel near the rink, um, keeps Shabbat, keeps kosher, does whatever she can to preserve her Judaism, and at the same time is an Olympian, which is a tremendous accomplishment. She's been skating since the age of three, and please God, in February, she'll be able to fill, fulfill her lifelong dream. I mean, these, these athletes train, I mean, in her case, for years and years and years to get to this point, and she will proudly be wearing the blue and white uh, at the opening ceremonies representing Team Israel. So congratulations to Haley Copps and the entire delegation of Olympians um, headed to Beijing for the upcoming Winter Olympics. And that's going to do it for today's show. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Joshua Haston or Josh Haston Israel Journalism. That's my page on Twitter at Josh Haston and, uh, and on Instagram as well. Shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, most importantly, be safe, be healthy. Hope to speak to you again next Monday. Coming to you again from just outside the old city walls of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people and the state of Israel. Have a great week, everybody. Join the Land of Israel Network Fellowship. Sign up today and join the revolution, inviting the world to learn Torah from Judea with Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz. We may come up short on becoming the person we want to be, but that's not the point. Happiness is progress. Wandering aimlessly through a meaningless life is a recipe for suffering. What could be worse than walking around the desert for absolutely nothing? But as long as we are walking toward the land of Israel, every step has purpose. For more information, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship.